Titus O'Reilly here, once again annoying you with our shameless plug for Bazaar plus our membership program, More Mick and Me. Simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. Welcome aboard, everyone. If anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. The hunt for the weirdest. There you go. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? Slide <laughs> my mind. I don't. I can't <laughs> keep up. Strangers. Catastrophic, amazing, bizarre. Multiple layers of stupidity coming together. What could go wrong? Most unbelievable. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. Stories to ever occur. They're only going to get weirder from here. Get comfy, everyone. Some good, some bad. And some just bizarre, which we love. In the world of sport. How many chimneys could you do in a day? I've researched the tool. To France, not Jimmy. Sports bizarre. Right, police are called in. <laughs> For the players. Dennis Rodman is telling you to calm down. Testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. I feel like once again we've strayed away from what I've researched. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. An old couple who've got our spark back. <laughs> it's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of 2023. You're listening to Sports Bazaar with myself, Mick Malloy, and as always, doing the heavy lifting, it's Titus O'Reilly. How are you, Titus? Oh, it's so good to be back. I mean, you and I tried to keep our holidays going forever because we like bars at the beach. Working's not really our strong suit. Um, we were just watching a lot of sport, reading about what? sport, collating a lot of raw material. For more stories that you find in your adventures, and I can't wait to see what you've got for us. First up, this will be a big one. What have you chosen to open up 2023 with? Well, after the FIFA World Cup of corruption and the people we did are still last, exhausted, by and that, people are still. Get, I, I got a text yesterday from someone saying I am still getting my head around that. Because <laughs> so, if you haven't listened to the FIFA one, it was six episodes. A it was Game of Thrones. <laughs> so it wasn't. So bad. I thought let's have a bit of a palate cleanser in terms of less corruption and more just. General Tom Foolery. I love mucking around down the shallow end of the pool. What do you got for I us? think this is someone you may have even met. Golfer John Daly we're going to talk about. Have you interviewed him or met him? I can't remember. I played golf with him. You played golf with him? I played a number of goals at the Victoria Golf Club in Melbourne, Australia with him. I actually outdrove him from the tee. Which is a huge driver. Uh, I, I should, should point know. out, though, it was a par three. <laughs> he was on the green and I was 30 metres out the back. But technically... I still outdrove him. Outdrove John Daly. And the other really significant thing, it was one of those charity days where you play with him and then you play around him. So I was playing behind him for four holes. Right. And you can actually chart where he's hit his ball because he has a cigarette for every shot. He'll hit the ball up the fairway. When he gets to his ball, he puts his cigarette out. He hits the ball, say, into the bunker. He'll walk up there with a cigarette, put the cigarette out. So you can actually, like a tracker... (laughs) Work out, oh, he's hit it left off the tee, he's short of the green, he's over the back, oh, he's in for four because he lets you know exactly where the ball lay. Well, Incredible the, character. Some things you and him are different and some are very similar. He once said, I don't think I've ever stepped in the gym. They won't let me smoke in there. <laughs> he would have an exercise bike with an ashtray <laughs> that's right, if, that's, if he could. He's a wild guy. So we're going to go through this all. And look, to be honest, if you're not a golf fan, don't worry because yeah, so much here. of this is the movie Happy Gilmore, the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> if anyone's ever seen that about the guy who, classic. who is this crazy golfer who doesn't obey the rules. and it, yep. John Daly is really that in real life. Like Happy Gil- He makes Happy Gilmore look like 
mm. a serious competitor. And also an extraordinary golfer, a major winner. So we're not talking about some kind of frat house you know, yeah. character. Like all the best at their core a genius coupled with character flaws so large. <laughs> that they're of interest to us. <laughs> they're of interest, right? Like, okay, here we go. So John Daly's born in Carmichael, California on the April 28th, 1966. His father's John Daly, who's a construction worker on big industrial plants, a terrible person. Like domestic okay. abuse, beats up John Daly's mother, drinks heavily. Yep. One benefit is he's barely ever home. He's always off working somewhere, often in another state. Yes. But he has an interesting relationship. The only thing his dad ever does that John himself gives credit to is encourages his love of golf. Okay. But that's it. Was he a golfer himself? A little bit, yeah. but he was. He just seemed to work all the time. They were very poor working class growing up in America. They move a lot in early times, you know, small towns in southern states of America. They end up basically for most of their time in Arkansas. John's four years old when they move there and he begins playing golf the following year. So he's five when he starts playing golf. Wow. Okay. So just playing with clubs and things like that. There is a golf course near there called the Bay Ridge Boat and Golf Club. Okay. They're right near that and it's just this country nine-hole golf public course, course. Public course. Public yep. a member's course, but nine holes only, no bunkers, just rough grass. It is a very poor, cheap yep. golf course, right? And they're not members there. But the dad would occasionally pay to go and play there and take John yes. with him. And so he grew up there and he sort of spent so much time there he becomes the unofficial mascot <laughs> of the Bay Ridge golf course. His mum would drop him off after school. This is even in primary school. Yeah. And he'd spend an hour or so just waiting in the pond that was at the golf club fishing out golf, golf balls, balls that yeah. had been hit in there, right? So this is how we knew it. He'd sell half of them back to the club for money. So he'd have some spending, <laughs> some walking racket, around. A little racketeer. Yeah. Then he'd keep the rest and then he'd practice, with, practice them. with them, right? He'd go and take his dad's driver. This is an adult-sized golf course when he was a little kid, which is why his swing was seen as so powerful but wide because sure. he never used a kid's golf club. He always had to stand. <laughs> and so he would go to the local Little League baseball diamond and he would just practice hitting shots, even like he'd chip to first and second and third Amazing. base. He'd do all that sort of he stuff. He didn't have lessons or he, did, he, wasn't, like he, was he just self, taught himself? Self-taught yeah. basically in the early days. He just was obsessed with golf. And this is like six years old. He would just go down and practice hitting targets and driving long. He'd work on fading the ball, you know, which was Absolutely. sending it one way or the other and all this sort of stuff. So he was becoming really good. And it seems his parents were fairly hands-off and like he could do what he wanted. He had a bit of a spare very, time. A lot of spare time. They weren't helicopter parents. They were not <laughs> helicopter parents. So when he's um, about 10, they actually move again to Virginia and there he plays at the Lake of the Woods golf course where he plays a spring club championship. So this is a, a full golf tournament and he's 13 and he's playing against golfers who are 15. Does he have his... Physique at this stage? He's, What's he like? Is he's, he's, he's this blonde guy with basically almost a, a mullet. He, yeah. A bit overweight. One of the great bogus. White trash would be harsh or redneck, but that's <laughs> sort of like what, what you got to think with John Daly, okay. right? Yeah. So he plays in this thing. He wins the whole tournament at 13 years old. The okay. club instantly changes its rules, barring juniors from playing. <laughs> well, that seems like an overreaction. Yeah, slight overreaction. Not right? happy. They then move back to Arkansas. And this is where a theme that's going to run throughout yes. this pocket is drinking becomes a problem. Okay. This is something that he'll 
deal with all his life. Yeah. So he says he started sneaking sips of his dad's beer, who's a big drinker, yeah. from when he was about eight. And he says, unlike a lot of kids I know, he said, I loved it from day one. I just loved it. Now, a lot of people say beer is an acquired taste and it sort of is yeah. for a lot of people. Like, like Barney Gumble. A lot, yeah, a lot of people go, I don't <laughs> like his Barney Gumble. He's just instantly like, where's this he been all on. my life? Yeah. The first time he ever got drunk, he says he was about 12 or 13 years old. Now, this is what their dad's like. Their dad used to make him and his brother Jamie stamp up and down on grapes in a tub okay. to make wine for him. So he would make this uh, muscatel wine. I'm not but he sure would make I want it. a John Daly vintage. <laughs> the dad wouldn't do it. It wasn't like a joint activity. The dad would sit wow. up watching telly while the kids are making him wine. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> is an idea. Sweatshop, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. This is an idea for your kids, you know. Like, Absolutely. what are you doing? They're getting mad at him because they want to go do something else. They're tired. That he says our feet were all purple and blue and sticky. You know, it's horrible. We're in a basement. It's not like you're on a tour of Tuscany, you know. It's, <laughs> you're in Arkansas you're in a in basement. Arkansas. This is like close to moonshine. Yeah, it's basically. It's, it's like, like a wine well, moonshine. Well, his dad would get these and put them in these big sort of mason jars. With so four X's wine. on the front. <laughs> this is the wine that we put in the mason jars and put on a shelf, right? Yeah. So they, one day, when his mum's out somewhere, his dad's at work, him and his brother, they drink a huge mason jar between them okay. and they're absolutely drunk. He says, I loved it. It was like drinking grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> and says well, he got so drunk, mum comes home furious, well, catches she would them. But from that point on, you know, he just loves drinking. His mum and dad then constantly from when he's 14, his dad will go off to work in another state on an industrial project. Mm -hmm. His mum will go and stay with the dad, leaving John and his brother who are 14 and on 16 just on their own for months on end. So no parental supervision whatsoever, you know, just hanging Incredible. out. That's where they decide, well, we can have parties. You know, we've got this big house. It's a country house in Arkansas. Like, let's invite people over. So they used to have like 20 to 30 kids from high school on a night come yeah. over. They'd light a bonfire okay. and they'd sit around drinking all the whole night away, right? <laughs> Under no parental supervision. No parental supervision, so. right? No one near it and all that. And then hang around drinking, no big deal. Word starts to spread. Mm that this is the place to go. When you're As a kid would. in a big, small town, if you can hear, we all go here and there's no yeah. parents. and You can see a bonfire. You've got visuals <laughs> yeah, just on look a bonfire. The, that's where you're heading. Look for the smoke. The big smoke, yeah. <laughs> so suddenly 200 to 300 people start arriving. Yes. High school kids from surrounding towns, college kids from Arkansas Tech start showing up. And it, they just do this unfettered for years, drinking parties right. every night. So it's a loose upbringing, right? Absolutely. He starts doing some amateur things. He wins the 993 Missouri State Amateur Championship, won the next year too. In his last three years of high school in 84, he finishes high school. Yes. And he gets accepted to play golf at the University of Arkansas okay. in 1984. It's a golf scholarship. These are prestigious. So Very prestigious once you get in America. College sports. College yeah. sports. You are in elite yeah. company. But he he meets his golf coach, who's a guy called Steve Loy. Now, Steve hates Daly and Daly hates him from day <laughs> one. They just hate each other. He says to Daly, you have to lose 60 pounds. You're overweight. I'm not letting you pay. Now, Daly says, I'm beating the other golfers. <laughs> but he doesn't care. He's like obsessed with his yeah. weight. And he gives him this diet of, you know, lettuce and all this. Daly's a hamburger. That's not going to fly. You know, he's massively like... Daly decides to go on his own diet, which consists of <laughs> Jack Daniels, 
popcorn. Oh, my God. And to lose weight, he takes up smoking. He doesn't like smoking. People smoke maybe to be cool at first or peer group pressure. He totally admits, I started smoking to lose weight, to play golf. There's a diet program I could consider. (laughs) He said, I hated cigarettes, can't stand them. My mother smoked. It was the only thing I didn't like about her. But Coach Lowe said it would help kill my appetite. What a great coach. Coach is telling you to take up (laughs) An athlete. This is like our Tour de France episode where they used to smoke before going up the hills. That's right. Thinking it would open up the lungs. He says, pretty soon I was up to three packs a day. Okay. Because he's not eating, right? you got to remember. And he's drinking Jack Daniels heavily. He says, I bumped up my drink of Jack Daniels because I didn't want to eat the diet Coach Loy had me on. <laughs> so he goes like days and days without eating anything. Without eating, just drinking just smoking. and smoking. Jack- yep, this is what it is. He says, but you know what? My cigarettes, popcorn, whiskey diet worked. He and loses he lost the weight. weight. He loses the weight. Coach is happy. For our listeners, not a long-term approach. Yeah. Kids, don't try this. <laughs> so finally, Loy leaves and it's replaced by another coach called Bill Woodley and they seem to get on a little bit better. He seems to just care whether John can hit the whether ball you can play or, or not. The problem is he's getting in his last year and John's like, can I get a full scholarship because I'm sort of on a half scholarship. I need a full scholarship. Sure. And they say, we can't do it. And he says, I quit and I'll go turn pro. And that's what he does. That he goes and it. turns pro. He's not mucking around, is he? No, he doesn't muck around. Now, part of the reason he turns pro is he has met a girl called Dale Crafton. Um, She's from Arkansas as well. She's a hand model. (laughs) That's an actual thing. Apparently that's an actual thing. I remember it was an episode of Seinfeld. Seinfeld, uh, It's an actual thing. Hand model. She's she had beautiful hand hands. Was he attracted to the hands? I think he was attracted to all of her, but she also came from a very wealthy family. He did not. They get married in 1987. She convinces him to live in her hometown of Blytheville, Arkansas, even though he didn't really want to live there. Right. So it's off to almost a bit of a rocky start. Here we because go. Because she's like, I want you to live here. He's just announced he's going pro, try and make his money through golf. Yeah. Turns out that she doesn't like watching golf, she doesn't like golf, and she doesn't leave to leave her hometown. So and marrying she's busy a, hand modelling. And she's got a hand modelling career to focus on. He tries for the PGA Tour qualifying tournament. Now, in golf, if you get onto the PGA, even if you're like the last on the PGA Tour, you're you're making good money. But you've got to get through this PGA qualifying tournament to make it. You've got to finish high in that tournament once every year. He says it's like the fifth major. It's like Ticket to the big time. Ticket to the big time. And and at this point, there's not a lesser tour or anything really in place. It's a hodgepodge. So he tries, he fails for that. He doesn't get it. So he has to then go to the sort of the – there's all these independent tours around the America and the world that he has to go and play to hustle for money. And yeah. at this point, he's hustling for money as well to make money. I didn't think you could do that in the golf course. He'd, he'd show up and say, oh, I bet I can outdrive you or I'll play you and whoever will pay for cash just with random guys at the golf club. Uh, Apparently, it's a massive thing in America. Would this be the start of a long and illustrious gambling career? It would tip its hat to some of the stuff that's coming. Okay. So he then um, gets told by one of these guys while he's touring around America hasn't got his wife with him because she doesn't want to leave the hometown. Still on a diet? He's, he's, he's not really. He's on a similar diet to yeah. what he's been on. He plays all these things. He does all right. He wins uh, the 987 Missouri Open. He does a few things like that. But he then gets told by someone, you should come to us for the Sunshine Tour, which is in South Africa. It's a great way to make a bit of money. Right. So he says, great. So he goes there. 
And in South Africa, he just loves South Africa. What's appealing just, to him there? There's drinking, it's loose, his wife doesn't come with him. He's a, it's off the grid. <laughs> it's off the grid. No one knows what he's up to. Okay. For instance, though, he says, one night I've been drinking really hard. And he said, that could have been just any night. Yes. And he said, I was annoyed about something. And he says, me and another golfer, Jimmy McGovern, and a couple of other guys are going home late from some bar. Jimmy's riding shotgun. Daly is driving. you got to remember, he's off his absolute. Yeah. And he says, I ran a red, this red light, and then I ran another one. And soon I'm like, well, let's just keep going. And he, the guy said later, I ran through 17 straight red lights before they got him to pull over and said, I think we might. We'll have a go. At we this. might drive. So. He doesn't have any self-control. No, he's really. lawless, basically. In about 989, he starts heading back to doing more lower American tours and things like that, and he's going okay. In 989, he meets this young kid who's 13. Daly's 23, and he's playing a, like a pro-am. It's the National Insurance Youth Golf Classic, so it's some pros and some young golfers. This 13-year-old golfer gets paired with him, and the kid's name is... Tiger Woods. Okay, here we go. So Tiger's 13. They play each other. On the front nine, Tiger's beating Daly. Daly's this pro. <laughs> Tiger's beating him. Daly gets competitive and then finally beats him, right. but only beats him by two strokes. So Tiger's 13. Daly's like 23. Yeah. 10 years older. Tiger Woods has only just lost to him. And he says to the beat press, this kid's better than everyone's saying. He's going to be an absolute okay. superstar. He says, though, at the time, he also freaked out. Tiger Woods at one point when they're sort of shown off. Daly at this point is just known for his insane driving strength. He's, yeah, he can drive absolutely. the ball further and hit it harder it is incredible. than anyone. So he says to Tiger Woods at one point, watch this. In the middle of the game, puts his golf ball on the tee, gets a five iron out and hits it so hard that the ball cracks and unwinds. <laughs> and disappears into things. It unravels. And, and unravels. And it's just a little rubber band <laughs> left of the golf ball lying there. And he has wow. to get a ruling from the official of whether he can what get a new ball or whatever. And Tiger Woods says to him, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen on a golf course. <laughs> He's 13. But he said Fantastic. Tiger's a bit freaked out by it. Like, what have you As done? He would be. 1990, he earns full playing privileges on what's called a new tour called the Ben Hogan Tour. It then became the Corn Ferry Tour, and I, I think it's the Wells Fargo Tour now, which is yep. the PJ set it up just below the PJ Tour. It's like the up-and-comers, stars yeah, of the yeah, future yeah. one. He gets that. He's also going to South Africa as well, winning some over there. So he's suddenly playing in this Ben Hogan Tour a lot better. He and Dale Craft and the hand model finally get divorced. Was there an incident? Uh, no, it's just he realises that she's sick of him. He's never around. So it's done. It's just done. It just doesn't work. But he's starting to do well enough that he's going okay. So his golf's going well at this point. But some of his drinking's starting to not affect his golf necessarily, but it's amping up. It's getting out of hand. His one night is in Falmouth, Maine, and it's the night before a Hogan Tour tournament. And he says, I'm partying with some guys and I was having... A triple Jack Daniels on the rock, no water, three at a time. So I go to the bar and go, can I please have three triple Jack He's Daniels triple on parked. the rock? Triple parked. Triple parked straight mean, away. <laughs> but they're triple Jack That's Daniels. just lazy. <laughs> so you can't be bothered going back. I'll just give me three. Yeah. It'll save the legs. Yeah. Triple, triple Jack Daniels on the rock, three of them. So it's almost like just give me a bottle of Here's Jack bottle. Daniels, right? And a bucket of ice. So he starts doing this. After a while, the waitress comes over and says, the bartender has said, 
Like you'd think we'll cut you off. He's been doing this for a while, but the boat's come in and says, bartender says, I'll only serve you one drink at a time. Nanny state. This is <laughs> elite nanny This is madness. It's outrageous, right? He says, fine. He orders a drink from the waitress, triple Jack Daniels, just one this time, obviously. <laughs> She'd bring it back to him. He would drain the glass while she was standing there and straight away ask for another. I understand this mentality. <laughs> this is not as far-fetched as you would think. Yeah, you're not. You're going, this is not bizarre. <laughs> this is perfectly normal behaviour. Ask my Negroni waiter. <laughs> he says, after a little bit of this, I had to be taken to hospital because I'd passed out with my eyes open. What? <laughs> and the guy I was... That's impossible. And the guys I was drinking with thought I'd had a stroke or a something. A stroke or in a coma or possibly dead. I passed out with my, my eyes, eyes open. open. So he, obviously his eyes are open, but there was just nothing, nothing happening. Nothing behind. They take him to the hospital, right? The, I've never heard of this condition. The next day he gets up and plays the tournament and shoots two under. Unbelievable. So he plays pretty well. Who like, can so, do that? But he's doing this all the time, right? He's got a mate on a golf trip and he can go out and get plastered and still shoot the lights out the next morning. Yeah. And if I could have one, it's like a superpower. Oh, if yeah. I could have that, wow, a golf trip would be far less <laughs> troublesome. I know. See, if I've had a big night, I can barely do anything the next day at all except drink more. That well, which is a not a great, not a scenario. bad strategy. Finally, after 1990 on the Ben Hogan tour, 1991, he qualifies for the PGA. PGA, so tour, the proper PGA yeah. tour is where all the money is. Is where the big stars of the day are playing. If you don't know anything about golf, this is the American tour. Yeah. It's where the Tiger Woods of the world are playing. Million dollars up for grabs every tournament. Your worst, you're probably going to make 100 grand, okay, or 60 to 100 grand American offered tournament. It's like you being know. a made man. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're yeah, there. You've canonized. Within a few months of him starting, he gets his first ever disciplinary action taken against him by the tour. By the PGA? Yeah. So what did he do? He just cursed at a playing partner during a tour event there. Oh. That's all. Pretty. Seems like you a know, minor infraction. If you don't know anything about golf, and I'm not a golfer, I know you are, but everything I've ever read and watched and when I've gone and played golf occasionally, it's amazing how much like little infractions like not signing a card or, you know, Standing tapping. Standing in someone's someone, line. Yeah, and all, yeah. There's all these, it's a very rigid game in terms of etiquette. What would be etiquette in another game is a rule in golf. Would yeah, that be fair to say? I think that's fair too. They all make sense eventually, but yes, yeah. there's... Pedant rules Pedant, which yeah, need, you know, need to be followed. Yeah, and so swearing at your partner, oh, that's not partner on. is like not on. I've had away. a lot of swearing on a golf course, by the way. Yeah, but, but I, not I at practice someone. that. <laughs> I practice my swearing. So he, he's going along, but you know, no one knows who he is, right? He's this young blonde guy with a mullet, overweight from Arkansas. They're not taking him really, seriously. No are they? He's going okay, but he's he's a rookie. No one knows who he is or anything. He gets this moment where the PJ Championship is coming up. You know, it's a major, huge tournament. Yeah. And this is the 1991 PGA Championship. And he is what's known as, he isn't qualified for it, but he's known as the ninth and final alternate backup golfers if so, some can't make it, yeah. right? So someone gets injured, someone drops out, someone yeah, like whatever, yeah, 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 family yeah. crisis, can't go. He is the ninth and last player on the tour who would qualify, qualify. get into this tournament. Basically, there's no chance... Of him playing. So 
that'd be a green light to go out. And- yeah, so he's just drinking and doing whatever. But days before the tournament, Nick Price drops out another golfer because his wife's about to give birth. Yep. The guy from the PJ rings daily and says, look, Nick Price has dropped out, but you're the ninth backup. So we're just letting you know, but there's eight guys ahead of you. So you're not going to come yeah. here. Yeah. And then the next day he rings and says, oh, one of the guys got a family emergency, another one's got an injury. So there's four guys ahead of you. All so right, he keeps man. ringing him each day. He says, don't worry, you're not going to play, but each day someone's <laughs> dropping off. For... One of the alternates says, I don't think I want to play that course without practicing. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it. Up. So suddenly Daly's going to suddenly like uh, it's the day before and only one guy ahead of him and that guy drops out. So okay. suddenly he gets the phone call the night before the tournament. Can you be here in the morning? You're in. You're on. You're playing in the PJ Championship. He drives overnight to get to, to the get course, there. right? So it's, uh, you know, it's in Indianapolis. He drives from Arkansas to Indianapolis. It's the Crooked Stick Golf Club course okay. near Indianapolis. Yeah. It's designed by a guy called Pete Dye, who's quite famous, famous in, yep. in designing it. It's 7,289 yards. It's the second longest That's in huge. PGA history, this That's course. massive. So it's a massive course. Oh, this bodes well for Well, that. he's never played on it, though. you got to remember, uh, like, everyone else has had a week of practice rounds. Yes. He's never even seen the course except on television. <laughs> and he's suddenly got to drive overnight, turn yeah. up and play. Right. Jack Nicholas. Arguably okay. the greatest golfer of all time. Um, up there, him and Woods, you know, most people would say, yeah. said that after three practice rounds on this golf course that it was the most difficult course he'd ever played. And Daly, as this unknown rookie, has shows up with no sleep and has to play it the next day, okay. what which is amazing. Luckily, Price, his wife's had the baby, he rings him and says, my caddy, Jeff Medlin, could caddy for you because obviously because Price isn't playing his caddy who carries the golf club oh, and nice. doesn't Good get paid. So he says, would you want him? And Daly says, sure would because he says he's a good bloke and I like him and I need it. Yeah. And luckily Medlin's like been with Price, done this course several times. Yes. So he at least vaguely He's got some local that. knowledge, yeah, can some, talk you through it, yeah. do what I say. you got to remember Daly's not a blip on anyone's radar though. He's, he's snuck into this tournament, <laughs> right? No one's – England's Nick Faldo is the favourite and Payne Stewart who's from the United States, they're the favourites. He's just this unknown rookie golfer and all they say on all the pressing is, oh, yeah, I think he's from the University of Arkansas. Like no one cares about it. He's not coming up on the radar. Not coming up. The day starts but by lunchtime, weather warning signs are put up on the leaderboards saying there's this violent storm about to hit the course. At 2.14 p.m., sirens sound saying get off off. the course because holding metal rods while lightning sweeps. In the middle of a pad, open field. Not good. It's not great. I'm no uh, scientist. One of the worst rounds of golf ever played at my golf club. The sirens went off and the whole field went in, proceeded to get plastered for about three hours, and then they went, all right, you're good to go. <laughs> Groundskeepers came out and were repairing divots the size of small pizzas. <laughs> that they looked like a World War One uh, battlefield. Was, There's trenches. It was horrific, but some of the golf, wow. So, yes, this is a thing. You don't muck around with don't it. Don't muck around. Get off. It's a, now, at 2.40 p.m., half an hour later, a guy called Thomas Weaver who's there watching the golf as a spectator, all the golfers have gone inside. Everyone's getting off the course. He doesn't. He's struck by lightning and dies. So okay. it's like Daly's playing his first tournament, driven overnight. It's never seen the course before, and suddenly they all hear, a spectator just got killed, you know, like. So they're all debating, like, do we go back out there and play? And, and play. Daly says, I'm rattled. 
why are we playing when this guy's just died? This is terrible. Like, yeah. But it's just your mind's not on your golf in a way, right? Sure. Despite that, the storm goes and they say, let's get out and do it. So at the end of the first day, Daly shot a 69, which is below par. Correct. Really good. Two shots behind the leader. And everyone's suddenly going, who's going this on guy? Here? Now, the, the thing about it is on the second day, it starts to filter around the course. This young John Daly guy is amazing to He's watch. He's on. He is on. The thing about it is he is this like good old boy, mullet, overweight guy yeah, yeah, yeah. who's hitting drives 300 yards further than anyone can drive. He's playing the golf course in a way that no one else can play because he can it. hit shots where the others yeah. can't get to. So even if you don't know about golf, if your first shot's going so much further, he's hitting over hazards, he's hitting over… It's a massive like, advantage. Things that everyone else has to avoid, he just hits over. <laughs> and so people are just going, you've got to see this guy hit the ball. Yeah. He's just amazing. Sure. And so someone actually said, a columnist for the Indy Star said, he's treating Pete Dye's 7,280-yard monster like a pitch and putt course <laughs> with his booming tee ball. Wow. Suddenly he shoots five under 67 in the second round and he's on the top of the leaderboard. Now he has their full attention. Eight under par for the tournament. His second round includes one eagle, seven birdies, and long-distance drives that have competitors going, what is going on? Yeah. So it's not just his winning. He's winning in this exciting, crazy way that even people who aren't into golf are tuning. There's a ripple of excitement around it's, the it's, course. He's... Everyone's there, right? So Wayne Grady, who's the defending PGA Tour and played just one ahead of Daly, the, the party yeah. ahead, says, it's unbelievable. I've never seen anyone hit the ball like that. I mean, it's amazing. He's hitting eight and nine irons into holes where we're hitting two and three irons. Incredible. Absolutely. Amazing. His caddy, Jeff Medlin, is saying, I'd never seen him hit a golf shot until his first tee shot. This is a guy who's caddy for Nick Price, one of the top golfers, been around golf his whole life. He says, John has shown me a side of golf I don't normally see. He hits the ball in places nobody else does and he was a little hard to club for at first because he just couldn't work out what this What's guy could do right? with a club, right? Where someone else you'd say hit a 9-9, you know roughly how far it's going to go. With him, it's just exploding. Like with that. It's a four-day tournament, obviously. Second day, you're suddenly going, I'm on and I'm on the top. Everyone's thinking this is going to fall over at some point, though. Yeah, this guy's yeah, known for his yeah. big driving, but he's not it's, consistent it's always. By Saturday's round three, people are a buzz. There's just a huge gallery, a crowd just around following him, him around yeah, yeah. everywhere. He birdies the fourth hole after a 456 yard. He does this huge drive, takes out an eight iron, and drops the ball a foot from the hole. So his whole game's going nuts. Yeah. So he's leading on night three. Yes. The final rounds next day, he goes to the Indianapolis Colts games against Seattle at the Hoosier Dome. This is the NFL. And he's brought out onto the field and said, this is John Daly leading thing. He gets a bigger cheer than the Indianapolis Colts do. Did so he tee one up? He kicked a field goal barefoot before the game <laughs> practicing. And he did this a few times when he went to NFL games. He'd kick a field goal because he played field goal kicker at right. college a little bit and at high school. And John Madden, the famous NFL yes. commentator, put him in the All Madden team <laughs> for one year. So he's sort of this like there's already. this great yeah cult like here's a guy just like you know us who's amazing and, and, and people who are not into golf it's all straight laced and boring. Here's this guy who's a boozing drinking you know yeah, yeah, have yeah. good old boy. Yes, they're loving it right. So the next day he just runs away with the win. He shoots his first round of seventy one, but he's Still wins by three strokes. Incredible. He's way ahead of everyone else. 
everyone's going nuts about this. He gets $230,000, which he'd only up to that point ever made about $166,000. So he's made more than everyone else. Everyone loves him and he's got money in the bank. He's big time. And he says in his post-win interview, and you got to remember, he wasn't even meant to be playing this. He yes. says, I can tell you one thing. I've done this my way. I don't have anybody to blame for this win but me and I love it. <laughs> so he's like rent a quote. Yeah. Good yeah, old boy. Yeah. He's subsequently named PGA Tour Rookie of the Year for 1991. He's the first rookie to win a major since 1976. He's on the front of Sports Illustrated, the magazine, which at the time is huge, you know, pre-internet and everything. Gets this huge cult-like fan base instantly of people who don't often even follow golf showing up. So just suddenly he's the Biggest draw. These are great in sport when you can transcend the particular yeah. sport and people outside. It's when you get a great racehorse and people don't follow racing. But yeah, they're suddenly tuning in. And you or, do it. And yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan was that. Yes. LeBron James is kind of that. You know, you have this sort of thing where people go, I don't care about that sport normally, but I'll, but I'll tune in for athlete. this one guy, you know, and he's getting that. And it's not just the golf that is making him so popular. Just an absolute power hitter too in one bid. He reaches the green of a – there's a golf course in New Jersey and it's got a famous 630-yard hole and he is the only player to reach the green off two strokes. So he's just absolutely hammering. These are things that are amazing. Yeah. He leads the in all the power stats and everything. After his win, and this is also where he sort of marks himself as a bit different, Thomas Weaver is the man that died by lightning strike. Sure left behind a wife and two little girls who are like 8 and 12, Daly says, I felt I was almost responsible for them being killed. So after he gets the $230,000 check, he gives thirty grand straight away to them for the education of the girls. There you go. So he's, you know, so he's sort of doing stuff like that. People go, he's a good guy. He gets invited to this skins game at the end of the year which has all the four top players yes. and they make heaps of money. This is a guy who's never had any money. Suddenly he goes, every day I can go to a corporate event where – I hang around for half a day and I get paid 25 grand, 50 grand, 75 grand just to hang around for half a day. Yeah. Yeah. So he's suddenly coin. like going, this is amazing. Off the course, a lot tactic as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fill me in. So he divorces Dale Craft in 1990. Yes. And, and this, while his golf's going well, now he's got to remember he's suddenly divorced, money's coming in. Yeah. Booze and gambling increasingly take. Because there's the less restraint, you could say. Like suddenly well, there's, no restraint. there's no restraint, right? He meets a woman just two months after his divorce in 1990 to Dale Craft and he meets this woman called Betty Fulford. She's working as a hotel convention planner uh, in Georgia and they date a bit but he's getting into the drinking a lot more. This is a very tumultuous relationship. They argue a lot. Right. I think a lot of drinking going on. Okay. It turns out they've been together like a few years where she suddenly confesses to him that she's 10 years older than she told him, <laughs> is divorced and has a child. <laughs> so she just suddenly, who's 13 years, old, she's 13 years old. So this isn't like, you know, look, now that we're two months in, yeah, I should yeah. tell you, they've been together like some time. And he says, she admits to that bit of it at least, that she's very loose with the truth. About a lot of things. <laughs> and that being the one of the major. Okay. So he finds out all this and he says, this is not great and dumps her. She's gone. Then starts dating 
another woman, Paulette Dean, who's 20 years old. A lot of girlfriends and wives in this, right? Yeah. He starts dating her. But what he doesn't know is Fulford is pregnant with his previous, daughter. The previous. The one he's, who lied to him about the. Are you sure she's pregnant? <laughs> well, <laughs> he's dating this new girl, Paulette Dean, but she says, Fulford says, you've turned your back on me, you've left. And I'm pregnant. He didn't know she was pregnant. Yeah. So she launches um, palimony and paternity suits against him. This is in 1992. She has him served on the golf course. <laughs> His agent who's on the golf course with him says, I've put the legal papers in my suitcase and I won't think about this till Monday because oh, wow. his agent's becoming a bit used to there's going to be issues. Dealing with stuff. Six days later, she drops those lawsuits. And Daly says, look, there's been communication problems around the legal things and he announces that he's going to marry Fulford. He breaks what? up with Paulette Dean. This is a car crash. <laughs> he's not well organised, of course. No, she's lied to him about being 10 years older and having a 13-year-old son. He's hooked up with this other woman. She's sued him. She's then she drops back. the suits. They get back together. He dumps Paulette Dean. She's pregnant. So they get married. And he says, there's something I need to tell everyone right now at a media day he's doing at a, at a country club. I married Betty last night. I guess I was waiting for the right moment, like when the lawsuits are over. <laughs> he said, it's just love. We're going to make it work the best way we can. We've got a baby girl coming. We're very happy. And then she has his first child, a Shania Hale, the next month. This relationship is doomed. Doomed. And this is the incident that will colour probably Daly's life, both from how people listening will probably think of him, but also how he thinks, is in 1992, Daly and Fulford, they're having a Christmas party, heaps of people there, huge fight breaks out because Fulford says to another guest, if you can't control your girlfriend, I'm going to smash you because his girlfriend's dancing with John. She's right. jealous. So she she's doing that. John's furious, going, these are my friends. Like, she's not cracking on me. We're all just dancing, blah, blah, sure. blah. Fulford goes upstairs. John, in a rage, starts smashing up the house. Okay. He does this numerous times to hotel rooms, often when no one's there, right? It's not literally against someone. Unusual in golf. Just, it's, a, yeah. it's a rock and roll thing. He's, he, it's he, been highly unusual on the circuit. He, for a... He's trashed hotel rooms several times yeah. like, and just paid for the damage, right? Sure. What happens at one point, though, Fulford claims later on she takes off, he takes off separately. She claims he, in the middle of this, she comes back downstairs to tell him to stop and he pushes her into a wall. Okay. The other people at the party say that didn't happen. Fulford's loose with the truth, but at the same time you've got the do you believe Reporting women of an when incident. someone does and it's, you know, and so John in his autobiography says, I never did that. I'm an idiot. I've always admitted everything I've ever done, but that's one thing I've never done. Yes. She has a track record of being quite the liar, yes. but at the same time, he's smashing up an apartment which can't have been relaxing for everyone and is a form of sort of plausible. domestic. She drops the charge shortly after. No pattern of behaviour. There's yeah. a pattern of behaviour from smashing up hotel yeah. rooms, right? But there's no other like incident on no, his. Not that I could find at all. There's like plenty of him and wives arguing. Yes. Plenty. But. All the women he marries, they're all of a similar combustible nature, both of them, right? Yeah. Like there's not – so they're I've – Toxic no, relationships. Yeah, so – but there is a domestic violence in the scene. If you're smashing up a house in front of someone, it's intimidating, right? There's a bit going there's on There's so here. much going on I don't we know can. who to believe, right? So he takes off but they eventually drop it and it quietly kind of – he get, they get back together. He then gets back into golf but in 992 he has several top ten finishes so it starts to prove that he's not a one-hit wonder. Yeah. He wins the BC Open, which is quite a big tournament. 
um, Broome County Open. It's his second PJ title. It's going along all right. It's a good run. He's going all right. Like he's showing that that wasn't a complete flash in the pan, yep. that, that win. In August 1993, he's doing a clinic at the Fred Mayer Challenge at the Oregon Golf Club. And he's showcasing his talent um, in front of it's a special event before the tournament. 5,000 audience members at the event watching. Mm. Come along and see John Daly have some fun and drive some balls. See how hard he actually hits and how far. Why would you not go to that? Yeah, so they that all go. That is just my ideal yeah. day. You know, they reckon some of the best rounds to go and see Tiger Woods play yeah. is when there's no cameras there yeah. and there's no – I guess one day he was driving a ball at Carnoustie and he had both feet off the ground. He was – Swing it so hard. So to be able to see that. Yeah. So you're just seeing him just tee balls off continually and it's mm. playing up to the crowd, right? He's saying, oh, yeah, well, let's see how far he did this yeah. one and, you know, give us another one and all that. So he's having a great time. The audience are loving it. You know, it's all corporate types. He's probably getting paid a bomb paid, to do yeah. it, right? He doesn't have to walk anywhere. He just keeps coming. He's smoking yeah. and drinking <laughs> while he does it, you know? Fantastic. He's teeing the ball 300 yards plus. It's amazing. Everyone's saying, he's having such a great time. He's chatting to the guy hosting it, a guy called Peter Jacobson, who's the host of the program. And he's saying, oh, let's see, John, maybe you could fade it down there. Maybe you could, great, no worries. And then suddenly um, Daly says, you know what? I think I'll hit one downwind. And the host goes, okay. And then suddenly realizes that means turning and facing the audience who are all standing there. And driving the ball in their direction, but over them, and suddenly goes, "Hang on, like <laughs> you could kill someone." Like, like he hits a ball so hard. Is this before like, the era of public liability? It's ninety-three. Like, uh, that's like so. He turns towards the opposite direction of the fairway, towards the gallery, who all suddenly panic because they've got John Daly lining up to tee the ball in their direction. <laughs> a fag in his mouth. With a fag in his mouth and everything. Goes back and absolutely lets it rip and it goes 30 yards above the crowd's head at a you know, million miles an hour. Like it's Speed like, of yeah. sound. And he's that close. If he hit somebody, he'd kill him, right? Yeah, yeah. And it goes over their heads a mile and into the car park. <laughs> and the crowd would suddenly cheer. Of course go, they do. This is fantastic. I was there that day. <laughs> That's what you live for. But everyone else hears about this and is like, the PGA Tour not happy. Arnold Palmer says, I can't believe he did that. It's ridiculous. He could have killed someone. Like, So there's a joking element to it, but it's like, uh, mate, you could have absolutely <laughs> killed someone. All right, so next is, what is, the, is this attitude changing towards him slightly? Yeah. So 93, this is where he starts to like, the bad boy element comes in, yeah. right? So he's playing in the um, Kapalua International. And he picks up his ball after it. He misses a birdie putt and he's angry. So he just picks up his ball. He doesn't tap it into the hole, uh, and fin- which is a big no-no. Well, you're disqualified. You're disqualified. And then he just picks it up and he tees off on the next hole, which disqualifies you immediately. The tour say, right, you're suspended for the rest of the 1993 tour indefinitely because there's been a bunch of these little issues. So like the... Hitting the ball over the crowd was one. The picking up the ball in right. another open, he scored a 77, which is a lot over par, and threw his scorecard at the scoring tent in anger. Then another time he walked off the course without telling his partners he was quitting. He's like, I, he didn't say I quit, he just walked off. So he's a pattern of behaviour. He goes to them. <laughs> They've said enough's enough. Time out, have a think about it. Yep. He enters alcohol rehab for three weeks in late 1993. This is the, his heart's not in it, but he's been told by the PGA, you want to get back into this? Yeah, cool. 
Show us. Show us. So he goes off. In 1994 in April, he's let back in and they think well, he's alcohol-free now. He's sobered up and he has so- actually sobered up. He's had a go. He should be all right. In late April at, in Greensboro, he shot an opening 78, which is horrendous. Yeah. That night he's disheartened. He goes home and he shaves his head. <laughs> and the tour goes... Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, something's not right with John <laughs> Daly. <laughs> so he shows up the next day bald-headed okay, and shoots an 84, okay, this which is, is worse. And everyone good. thinks, all right, he's going up. This is it. He's going to yeah. go up the deep. Instead, he goes to the practice range, practices, because he's yes. no longer drinking. He goes and actually works it out. Yep. There he goes to Houston and he, he shoots 67 in the next tournament and he actually ties for seven. And then on May 9th, 1994, he wins the Bell South Classic and he says, it's my first ever win sober on the PGA Tour. Okay. That, so he's one of Mark's. That's an extraordinary, extraordinary thing to say. Yeah. He's the first tournament I've won on the PGA Tour in a sober manner. He said, I'll celebrate by driving back to Memphis, eating about a dozen donuts along the way. <laughs> so he's, and I believe him. <laughs> so, so this is the thing. So he says that drinking's had a huge impact, and this is the first one sober. He says, normally my routine before all this was he wouldn't get back from a long night of partying until 7 to 7.30 a.m., and his tea time would be 8. He'd have half an hour of, like, sleep. No. He said, I wouldn't sober up until the 13th hole. <laughs> but he'd have a hair of the dog. I could drink probably a case to 35 beers a day or 40 easily. He then said he would start drinking whiskey after that beer. So, so that's a, a normal day. He's he, an alcoholic. He's off scratching the clubhouse <laughs> as well as on the course. He is a true professional. Yeah. To endear himself to the other players, he suddenly says that many of PGA Tour players are cocaine users. Says this to the media and says that if your drug testing was done properly on the tour, he would be one of the cleanest guys out there. Good Lord. He says there are certain people who do crazy stuff on the PGA Tour. They're never going to get exposed unless they're found out by the police and put in jail. <laughs> he says there should be random drug testing for golfers. Has, has he got evidence of this? I think this or is, is he just. I think this is called projection. <laughs> So a few days later, he gets asked about it again. In the interim, all the PGA plays are going, of course. this is ridiculous. Yeah, the PGA, like, it reflects poorly. This is not everyone's a popular. Furious with him. So he says a few days later, he says, I don't know if anyone who does drugs on the tour, but I have heard rumours. I don't know it, but I believe it. So he backtracks. Right, it's, it's backpedalling. A lot. In 1994, in the PGA Tour, he does the NEC World Series of Golf. In this ground of golf, you know, if you don't play golf, you play usually in a pair with someone else yeah. in the PJ tournament. Absolutely. And ahead of you is another pair. Yeah, right. And you have to wait for them to finish the hole before you start playing that hole. Okay. Is rough. You know what I Pretty mean. Pretty so that's not, it. Yeah. You're not hitting balls at people, no, right? No. Like, Especially when you hit it like John Daly. Yeah. You need you to. You kill someone, yeah, right? Yeah. Daly hit several shots into the group playing in front of him on the 14th oh, hole. Yes, no. So it's called driving the green. So when they're punting on the green, he drives he's and hits just... the ball onto the green, which is a big no-no, right? Yeah. He does this twice. He almost hits one of the other golfers, a guy called Jeff Roth. So according to a witness statement, Jeff Roth and his family members, they, they say, you know, he's hitting them at us. It escalates into name-calling on both sides yeah. with daily cues of profanities directed at Roth's mother and the mother of Roth's caddy. 
Okay, it's on. Following completion of the round, Roth goes into the clubhouse locker room to confront Daly. They are yelling and arguing. Roth finally leaves, walks outside, and Daly's heard by witnesses screaming at Roth, you can't be me, you don't know my life, you can't live my life. Within minutes, according to witness statements, Daly called Roth's mother a derogatory name. Roth's father, Bob, then jumps Daly from behind. (laughs) The two are separated after scuffling briefly by fans. Fans break up the fight. This is gold. (laughs) Wow. Daly's fined 20 grand for this and ordered to take a leave of absence for the remainder of the 94 tour. This is while he's sober. Well, allegedly, right? So you've got to remember, so at this point he's been suspended for the back half of the 93 season. Yes. Comeback played really well. Now he's suspended for the back half of the 94 season. Okay. In January 1995, he finally divorces Fulford. He says the reason they split up was she was a chronic liar. Okay. She would argue like they assaulted her. So, you know, kind of pick your poison there. But amazingly, at the exact same time as he divorces her, he gets back with Paulette Dean, the woman he was briefly with yeah. when Fulford was suing Not him. Not the hair model. Not the hair model. The, one. the other model, just the normal model. <sighs> so he resumes that he marries her almost immediately and she immediately gets pregnant and they have another daughter. So that's his second child, Sierra Lynn. In 1995... He's having a not terrible but not good season, yeah. not really winning much. And he turns up to the 995 Open Championship, which is at the old course at St. Andrews. So, you know, how would you describe the Open St. Andrews, the Open to oh, non-golf? So it's like one of the most prestigious It's the holy grail is to win the major at the home of golf. golf. It's, uh, that's it. This is the tournament that if you've won this once, you're a legend basically. Yeah. Like, you know, and he's already won the PJ Championship, so he's won one major. Yeah. This is a... He shows up and he's at very long odds with the bookies. Yes. Um, not expected to do that well. But a lot of a few perceptive golf watchers bald. are saying he's screwing <laughs> his air back. They say the course seats his game well because it's big and open and it's he open. can drive. Can crack. Yeah. So he's in contention from the start. Suddenly he's playing really good golf. Heading into the final round, he's trailing uh, Michael Campbell, his New Zealander. Campbell just falls over in difficult yeah. conditions, very windy on the last day. Daly plays incredibly well and ends up winning the whole thing. And so suddenly he's a legend. He's won two majors and he's won the Holy Grail of golf. It's as good as it gets. Paulette Dean celebrates with him. And this is where we have the famous photo. I love this photo. Perhaps you could describe this photo. We're going to put it on our YouTube and on our social. You have to have a look at this. So This is like a Renaissance painting, isn't it? There's so much going on in this (laughs) one famous photo. It's a purely romantic moment on the 18th <laughs> green between the the newly minted champion and, and his, his new wife, wife who enjoy who enjoy a very intimate moment together. They're kissing, and he's just won, hasn't he? Like this it, it's is just one within seconds, like a minute it, of him. There's euphoria base out around it. He's on the it's green with the, the flag there in front, in front of the clubhouse, clubhouse on the, on the yeah. old course on the putting green. Perfect. What could go wrong? Kissing is what? Kissing is I don't think kissing or they're, no, they're, there's, there's they're a few and they're it's staring beautiful. into it's, each it's other's eyes. It's a beautiful eyes. moment. It's beautiful. It's an absolutely beautiful moment. Yeah. Or it would be. The conquering hero <laughs> standing there with his beloved. If it wasn't for, and look, pitch invasion <laughs> isn't often associated with golf. Noise streaking. But a gentleman runs out from the, the crowd and is pictured while these guys are in the foreground. He's on the green. 
streaking and written on his back. In giant letters. In giant letters, the words, 19th hole with an arrow pointing to. <laughs> his bum. His, uh, his bum. Well, the policeman uh, full flight after him. It is on. <laughs> it is the perfect expression of a sporting moment. It's an iconic photo, though. In it, sport. It's incredible. And, and, and the fact that it, he's in it. I'd love to hear what he has to say about it. Well, they're to still me, and calm, aren't they? They're, they're still and calm. I'm still not sure he's entirely aware. Is he I aware? don't think it's in the background, so he doesn't know. So it's, you've got them in this loving embrace, kissing. He's just one. They're still and calm. And in the background is this. It's, this is why I say it's, it's like, like a, a Benny Hill style chase. Yeah, it's like a Renaissance photo. You've got this cop half or security in a uniform, half falling over, yeah, yeah, trying to catch this guy who's nude with 19th hole and an arrow. <laughs> At the home of golf, at the at the most <laughs> prestigious moment in golf history, Wooshka. and John Daly's involved, and he's the one in it, not doing anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's that's the ironic thing. This is like a happy point in his life. He's got this new wife and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. To finish off for this episode, because I think we're going to have to go into a second episode sure. here, but to wrap that up, so we've got that wonderful photo, and he's at the top of the golfing world. 1995. He's yeah. won the Open. He's two-time major winner. He can't be denied as a he's, he's as wildly a, as a, popular. Wildly popular. People barrack for him, don't they? They were, even with all the troubles associated. Even with the troubles, though, he's you so, do want and barrack. Well, for you know him. why though? Because he's so open about them, so he doesn't yeah. defend himself much. The only thing he, I can find he really defends himself about is that charge Domestic of pushing violence. his yeah. wife into a wall. Otherwise, otherwise, he, everything else. All, he, when he stuffs up, he says, "Yeah, I, I trashed that room, or I did this, and I'm an idiot." He doesn't deny it or pretend it didn't happen. He's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm a moron." Yeah, and so people sort of feel like they know him because he lives openly with his mistakes. Yeah. There's no skeletons in the closet with John Daly. Yeah, right. They're all there. In 1997, though, he um, has a 12-hour bender. He's starting to get back on some of the the drink and trashes this hotel room. And his wife at this point is there, but he doesn't do anything to her. But she says, that's enough for me. I'm out. Just, you're an idiot. You're yeah. drinking too much. You know, she doesn't say you attacked her or anything. She says you just, just too wild. Room, you know, I don't like it. But it's just ridiculous. You're drunk. He goes to the Betty Ford Centre again. So she, and she files for divorce while he's in there and says no. It's said that at this point he has to find over half a million dollars US annually in alimony for his three ex-wives and two children. It's a car crash. He's just <laughs> being served papers on a golf course too. I'm it's, still digesting some of the stuff we've learned. In response to that incident, to terrible look, he's trashed this hotel room. His wife's divorced him. He's back in Betty Ford. Wilson Golf. His big sponsor that's a multi-million dollar sponsor of his mm. says, we're out. We're terminating Enough. the contract, right? Suddenly, like, so his wife's left him, divorced him. He's suddenly back on the booze. And Wilson Golf have taken away a lot of his money because he's not winning a lot at this yeah. point either. He's got the alcoholic shakes off him when he plays, which his is… Public appearances are probably on the way. Corporates get pretty there's, particular. Yeah, once, there's, once there's a bit of noise around you, yeah. That's right. But, take, take it from me. They can put, <laughs> they can put you on a blacklist pretty quickly. So such as his popularity, though, with the general sporting fan and the public, immediately Callaway, another brand, after Wilson terminated him, they come along and give him a four-year, $3 million contract. But they put in… Behavioural clauses. They put in the deal specifically prohibits him from gambling or drinking. This is destined And to as fun. part of the deal. This is doomed. And we'll get into this more in the next episode about gambling. 
as part of the deal, they agree as well as this three million million dollar contract, four years, no drinking, no gambling. They agree to clean up one point seven million dollars in gambling debts. Oh wow! That Daly has, and they said, "We'll clean that up for you. You sign with us." But the gambling and the drinking's got to stop. Well, there are massive incentives there that I'm sure he's going to take good advantage of. <laughs> yeah. In the next episode, we'll come back and. We're not gambling men, but let's see. I've got a bad feeling about this. If the people at Callaway have made a good investment. <laughs> on that note. Thank you. Once again, Tyson, this is a cliffhanger ending. Hang about for the second part of the John Daly story. Wow. If you love Sports Bazaar, why wouldn't you want to sign up to Bazaar Plus, our membership program, for even more episodes? Just go to the link in the show notes to sign up. Cheers. Cheers.